Hey everybody, this is your boy DJ Nash from What's the Topic? I'm just dropping by to wish you an amazing happy year. everybody to the tech show with your host Kevin Babel. Um, yes, it's been a minute. Um, I hope you guys have missed me, 
But yeah, I'm back. I'm back with a whole lot of tech, a whole lot of information about tech, a whole lot of like everything technology, even the things you never thought were technology um, I'm going to speak about. So yeah, um, the title of this show today is Revolutions. Yes, so we're going to be speaking about all kinds of revolutions that are happening um, in the technology industry today and how they are affecting other industries um, all over the world and how they are affecting um, human lives and what the future looks like in terms of technology and, and, and things like that. So the first thing I want to start off is is what what is considered a revolution what what does one consider a revolution um if we look back a revolution was always triggered by a technological movement that kind of made human lives easier so let's take for example the the first industrial revolution so the first industrial revolution was the the discovery of oil and of course um with with oil there's a whole bunch of things you can do. It created a new fuel source. Um, uh, they were able to build railroads. Infrastructure was built from it. And and basically, it, it, it made trans- things like transportation and and stuff like that a whole lot easier for 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 people and what 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 in turn it triggered more revolution so of course you then have the second industrial revolution where machinery came so a lot of the things that people would do like putting caps on top of toothpaste was now replaced by little machines that can do things and at that time it it did cause a lot of controversy because um people lost jobs so basically robots are doing things or uh, machines rather are doing things that people would do and they're doing it more efficiently and faster so having five people i could put um caps on a thousand um tooth uh what do you say is it toothpastes but <laughs> um a thousand uh boxes of toothpaste would be covered by five people whereas one machine um covered 10,000 of them, covered 100,000 of them. So if you had five machines, you could be pumping out a million boxes of toothpaste um, every day. So of course, uh, that caused other sorts of issues. But um, I think it also presents a good opportunity because now new functions and new standards of doing things were created. Um, new jobs were created because you had machines, but what you needed were people who could fix the machines when things went wrong. There's actually uh, an interesting an interesting uh, story I read or an interesting piece of information I read um, that spoke about the implementation of ATMs. Um, and, And what the speaker was saying was that people thought that when you put in ATMs, um, the, the amount of um, tellers at the bank would decrease. So, of course, an ATM was an automated system for you to be able to withdraw money at the time. It's only in recent times where you can deposit money, and maybe we'll do a show in the future to talk about how that works. But but anyway, um, 
it was it it was put in place for you to be able to do transactions um, at different spots rather than going to your nearest branch and um, waiting in a long queue to just take out money for you to be able to do something um, in the evening like go out and watch movies and stuff but um, a lot of people thought that bank tellers would 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 disappear but the most interesting thing is that um, is that they actually doubled doubled and and tripled um over a period of 10 to 15 years why because the depositing function is still required to be done at the bank there's still inquiries there are some people who just don't trust taking out money from an atm and also um the amount of money that people now have is is a whole lot more than it was when the the atms were first created so basically they were still needed and more of them were needed because if i want to do a 500,000 rand transaction i'm not going to do it at an atm and i don't think an atm would allow for it sometimes it's more convenient to go to the bank to handle specific things than to go to an atm so so revolutions um in terms of technology have the upsides and the downsides downsides being that there are specific functions that aren't required anymore but the upside is that there are new functions that are that are created because of the revolution so the specific ones we're going to be speaking about in this show are going to be the ai revolution the smartphone revolution and the smart city revolution and they come with their own set of um, crazy, crazy things. But then they also come with their own set of improvements. And it's going to be interesting to, to see over time how, how basically things and people will react to these, to these changes. So the first thing I'm going to speak about is of course the AI revolution and paired together with that will be the smartphone revolution. But a lot of people hear the word artificial intelligence and they don't really understand what artificial intelligence is. And basically what AI is or what AI is not is what you see in movies sometimes you know you see iRobot with Will Smith and you're like you see these robots that are they've got their own way of thinking and they're taking over the world and so on and so forth but it's 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 not that what what it is is basically in its most simplest terms the ability the ability for a computer to make a decision um, based on an input and that input the computer looks at and gives you a specific output now in programming terms that's a very broad thing to look at so it's it's usually normal if then conditions in basic programming so if the number is five then do this or else do that so that's basic artificial intelligence so if i'm building a tool that monitors the weather and i know that anything over um 25 degrees is hot and anything over 39 degrees is dangerously hot anything under um, 20 degrees is uh, What's what's the term I can give it is is mild in, 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 in weather and then anything under 10 degrees is dangerously cold 
if I put in an input of okay it measures and it picks up it's 38 degrees it goes through that that set of lists that i have given it and basically or set of conditions rather that i have given it and it starts analyzing and and looking okay is it greater than 39 no it's not greater than 39 is it greater than 25 yes okay so the output will be it's really hot now of course you can't build a program that can play against someone in chess the same way because there are many inputs there are many gambits in chess and there are many strategies that people can approach in terms of how they 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 play their chess games but uh over the years what's happened is that the amount of data that is produced by a whole bunch of things around us has increased so of course where there's data a lot of people don't know that where there's data there's actually knowledge and it gives us knowledge about specific things have you ever been on a website and you searched for like three or four things you clicked through and suddenly the website knows what your fashion sense is, knows the type of labels you like, knows your shoe size, recommends specific prices and is able to do things because as you're moving up and down the website and searching, it's collecting data about you or while it's collecting data about your behavior and is making decisions based off of that data. So now, what is the AI revolution? The AI revolution is basically making all things artificially intelligent so let me take a step back um, to about 1990 um, 1994 um, and and a search engine Google was born and the interesting thing about about Google was that it was one of the first search engines that actually worked and actually gave you the data that that um, you were looking for. So if you searched for fluffy bunnies, you got fluffy bunnies, you never got um, irrelevant data as other search engines did. And basically what they had to do is they had to index the entire internet. Now, if you think about it, the internet is a very big place, but in 94, um, nine, the 1990s to 94, the internet wasn't a very big place. The internet was actually pretty brand new. And um, in all of its complexity, they were able to get as, as, as much web pages as they could and they were able to generate data and, and so on and so forth and basically store that data. But you had a very interesting scenario that was happening at that time. You had people trying to figure out how to do machine learning and artificial intelligence, but the cost of storing data was extremely expensive. I remember reading at one point when I was doing my research um, that a gigabyte of data to store was almost more than $100. Now, it cost about 1,200 Rand to store data. Um, so, so of course, a lot of people took the data and they compared it to the cost. And if it was not data about transactions and stuff, they didn't really care about it. But now you have Google, that's a very optimistic company that wants to build the best search engine so that people can find whatever they want. And what is important is that they had to have, um, 
a place to efficiently store data. Now, Google is a young company and they don't have a lot of money. So what do they do? Um, they come up with a way to cheaply store data on normal stupid little machines. And basically they were able to build this humongous file system. And what they then did is they released the research papers on how they built it. And of course the open source community got that and they re-implemented it into something known today as Hadoop or the HDFS. And what that did is it caused it caused a shift in the entire storage industry that now made the ability to store data extremely cheaper. So that same one gig of data that cost $100 to store was now a few cents to store. So now you could store large quantities of data about anything. So not only did you have data about the transactions people made with your system, you also had data about... Um, what they clicked on, what they went to, who accessed your website. You could bring in log data from um, telling you about which people are entering your website and you could bring in your user profile data and you could bring in um, clickstream data, which is basically as people are clicking on your website, the amount of data that you're getting through. So now you have this a humongous quantities of data and now you've got the guys writing machine learning algorithms where where now they have access to humongous quantities of data and while data was getting cheaper the compute prices were also getting cheaper so what compute is is basically the computers that will do the calculations and stuff like that and basically the 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 price of those things also decreased big time and not only did they increase i mean decrease the the amount of computability uh increased as well so basically you've got a cheaper way to run pretty compute expensive um processes so Thus, the AI revolution was birthed. And it started like small, like your search engine auto-suggesting your searches and your search engine saying, did you mean this rather than that? And then your, your what's this, your phones are coming with an assistant. And now you've got a whole bunch of AI things. Now, of course, why I call it an AI revolution is because now the question is how many things can we remove human interactions from and keep the computer being able to do that. Now, on a separate show where I'll focus on just artificial intelligence, I'll, I, I, will, I will dig deep into how all these things work, but for, for, for simplicity's sake, just think about a program that can make decisions. So it can take in a set, a set amount of inputs and give you a decision based on an output. So of course, you've got things like Google Maps that's able to figure out what's the best route for you to take given traffic, given the amount of um, robots or in other countries, stoplights. I, I hope I got that right. But yes, uh, traffic lights, yes. I think that's that's the best one. And basically, also 
take into consideration accidents and all these different things. So, so before one would think that, okay, to get to point A to point B, I just need to know the distance and then quickly chart a course and go there. But now there's so many influencing factors. So, so basically you've got intelligent maps now. So you don't really need to think about taking out a map to go somewhere. And, um, what 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 more you have is like you've got assistance on your phone you've got a smart thermostats you've got smart lights that are able to pick up are there people in the house no they're not okay i need to save electricity so it starts um slowly um switching off but it also starts learning wait these people leave home at like eight o'clock so that means that by nine o'clock theoretically there should be no one home so of course it switches off and if someone switches back on the light it fails the test so it knows wait maybe my assumption was wrong and it carries on and it sees but wait a minute people leave at half past nine okay it switches off and it sees wait a minute they didn't switch me back on and then it it keeps that piece of data and over couple of days it then picks up okay 9 30 is the perfect time so it knows that once you start leaving the house that hey all the lights are going to turn off and then in turn we're going to learn the behavior that what's this that hey i don't need to worry about turning off the lights all i just need to do is leave it will know to turn off the lights so of course it's caused a, a crazy revolution but now the down part is people are trying to automate everything so now you've got self-driving cars you've got you've got um self-driving airplane ideas you've got 3d highways you've got all these different things that that people are wanting to build they're trying to automate accountants they're even trying to automate the hiring process so possibly in the future when you want to get a job somewhere it's not a person um, with intuition and understanding and stuff like that that will make the decision it's a piece of artificial intelligence software that's going to look how much you fit so that means that it's going to pull data from so many different places possibly your facebook profile your twitter profile your instagram profile your linkedin profile it's going to scrape the internet to see how much data about this person can i get to make the right decision about hiring them so of course it's caused a crazy craze because now people are afraid that they are going to lose their jobs because of this but just like the industrial revolution uh new functions will be created because of course we'll have new problems we'll need to solve we'll have new kinds of things that we need to look at now remember i mentioned the smartphone revolution now of course ai would be useless or or, or consumer ai if i can put it that way because there's also academic ai but that's that's a topic on its own consumer ai though would be would be useless without a way to get it to the consumer so of course you have the smartphone revolution so going back a couple of years before my time phones existed but there was always the push to start getting um phones more portable so i was looking back at like what a portable phone was in like the 19 uh 1960s 70s 80s and 90s and the early 2000s and I was in awe of what sort of phones they were and what they considered portable like half the a phone half the like the size of your face was considered a portable phone and 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 
you look at, at phones now that are like super ultra mega thin and you realize that, wait a minute, there's been a shift. So what happened is that there were a lot of people who created smartphones and one of the industry leaders at the time was BlackBerry. So BlackBerry created a phone that could take apps and could do the basic functions. And there was instant messaging that, that, that was uh, birthed from that. So you didn't have to pay the hefty SMS fees. Rather, you would use your data, which was cheaper, to send through to another person than it was um, the cost of an SMS. So, of course, that caused another shift. And, of course, companies like WhatsApp and them um, were born out, of, born out of that kind of change. But, of course, the one big change that happened was when the iPhone was released. Now, before I get into that, there's this battle against iPhone and Android um, and Android users. And I'm planning to do a show in, in the future where I'm going to sit in a room with iPhone lovers and Android lovers. And we're going to hear the real reasons why they, they, they love um they love their, their devices and stuff like that. So stay tuned for that show. But back on what I was speaking about, uh, what what happened is the iPhone came out. But the iPhone came out with something very interesting. The iPhone, for the first time, introduced an app store. So what was an app store? So before, there were only specific people who could make uh, proprietary software for for specific devices so you never had some developer of the blue who would create um, software for for what's this for a nokia phone so what blackberry did is they also created a little platform where people could create apps but it wasn't the most easiest thing to do so you never saw people really downloading um non-blackberry proprietary apps uh, but the apps were there and basically when 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 apple released their phone they already had the mac os um infrastructure built and they already had the thinking of 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 how to build this kind of thing now of course they introduced the app store which was a place that allowed developers to create apps for the iphone and they would have a platform to publish it so of course that became one of the biggest revenue generators for apple but it also became one of the biggest drivers of of the smartphone revolution because what started happening is that people wanted to fit more and more and more into the phones so what happened is that that now you've got um you've got people building camera apps you've got people building uh map apps you've got people building uh flashcard apps you've got all these sort of apps that that were trivial but then now you've now got people building games and now people want more intensive games with better graphics and and so on and so forth so of course the phones over time were getting more and more powerful and then of course competition was introduced so now you've got samsung you've got um uh, HTC, you've got Google with their smartphone market and you've got all these different things that were happening and what, what then happened is of course the progression of 
smartphones grew intensely so anytime i have a discussion with people about what the favorite smartphone is i i tell them that the reason why i pick my my most favorite smartphone which is the iphone is not because of 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 what's inside because yes what's inside determines the mo the, the 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 power of a phone but things have reached such an equilibrium that it doesn't really matter like um, the new iPad was recently released and one reviewer was saying like sometimes we look at the specs and stuff like that but when last was your iPad slow and 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 basically what that caused is an equilibrium and now you've got even the phones that aren't in the premium price range they're good enough to handle the stuff that people are creating so now this is where we now see the convergence of 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 the ai revolution and the smartphone revolution because now you've got these devices that have the compute power to be able to execute ai functions they are able to execute ai stuff so now You've got translation apps where you just put your camera, you open your camera, and then you 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 show the the text um, that you want to translate, and it's able to read the text and translate it into the language you want to. So so you've got things like that happening. Now, what what's happened is now cause uh, because all these things now fit into the devices, you now have. You now have um, all these companies that are now able to use all those things to their advantage. So, so it's interesting to see that over the years, uh, even even being in the in the IT industry myself, it's it's been interesting to see over the years what what buzzwords have come out. Now, what a buzzword is 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 a word someone uses that that is famously used within the industry to try and sell something to someone else so ai big data uh microservices so you might not know what that means but but what you discover is there are those words that like trigger so my my app is an ai app that is able to do a b c and d it's built on top of a microservices infrastructure on this so basically it's like a sales pitch words but you can always tell the state of an industry based off of based off of the buzzwords that they use and and the interesting thing that you see in this case is that um the the buzzwords are machine learning um uh, consumer ai um automation and and so on and so forth and basically the 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 consumer ai revolution if i can if i can term it like that um has now has now taken over in in such a way that some people think that it's always been like this so now this presents a new problem because the phone is a good ai device but it's also become a very good data collection device so what you now have is oh okay why don't you collect as much data as possible about these people so we can learn about them and get them to use our product so of course ai is now being consumer weaponized if 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 i can use that term um and what's happening is you've got these companies that are collecting a whole lot of data so let me take instagram for example so instagram is collecting data about where you take your photos um 
like what filters you use, um, your scrolling habits, what you're searching for. And there's other pieces of data that they probably taking that they're not telling you about, especially if you're using like an Android phone whose permission model is quite loose. But um, they, they, there's pieces of data that they, they, they'll be taking. And what they start doing is building a model of who you are, a behavioral model. And they're now able to trigger specific decisions. They're able to trigger specific uh actions in you or they are able to put things in such a way that triggers specific actions so for example um they learned that wait a minute a lot of people like following the trends of people on instagram that have a lot of followers so if this person says this sneaker is good then the sneaker is good so of course that's not anything new in the advertising world because they would do that but of course instagram was a social network where people took pictures so now wait a minute that's happening on instagram too so one of the greatest things i like speaking about is about the the adidas shelto now the Adidas Shelter has been around since like the 1980s, since the beginning of hip hop and breaking. It's so it's like that shoe that has been there, and it's now called the Adidas Superstar. But um, what happened is is you never really saw ads on TV about that sneaker, but for some reason it just blew up. Like everyone wanted a pair of those sneakers, and what you saw was that they just got a few very big celebs and a whole lot of Instagram influencers with millions of followers to just wear the sneaker and of course to advertise the sneaker and what happened is it then just caused this humongous humongous sale um, of the shoe and and people were just buying it left right and center so of course I was sitting back saying but this is not a new shoe this shoe has been around but but it was it was interesting to see how people took advantage of the the data collection ability that these phones have and took it to their advantage to sell something so so of course now we have the question of of okay so we have an ai revolution happening we have a smartphone revolution happening but like what is all of this leading to is it just that we can we, we can pick up consumer information and and stuff like that and is it for surveillance and things like that but but this leads me to my third point which is 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 the most interesting of of all the points which is the smart city revolution now of course i'm a technologist and there's a term for 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 a technology the kind of technologist i am who likes futuristic things which is a futurist so i'm the guy who likes self-driving cars or i love the concept of a self-driving car i i, I can't wait to be in a self-driving car because i know that in 20 years a driver's license will be an ornament so of course within my lifetime i'll probably see the shift from everyone driving to everyone being driven but but it's it's interesting um to see where all of this le is leading to and and it's the smart city revolution so of course there's an interesting book that that i have that i've just paged through a bit but it's called the fourth industrial revolution uh, and what, 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 
the economist today is speaking about is how when fuel sources change and we are able to to get to the cream of the crop of what ai is going to be of course a lot of things will begin to be automated and and basically and basically what will happen is that now things like a city will now become like a living organism if i can put it that way so i always tell people imagine you're in a city and cars are driving and there's the speed limits and everything and then it starts raining and what happens is that all the speed limits in the city change to adjust for the weather because people become weird drivers when when um when the rain starts but then your cars also respond to that speed limit change so no matter how much you try and push your car to 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 pass that it it will know that i'm not supposed to pass that and if you force anything it lets people know that hey wait a minute this person is is going beyond the speed limit uh, that was set by the city so so basically now the city is able to look at at different things like weather it's able to see okay the population count is increasing and it's able to to dynamically change bus routes and it's able to see wait there are more people at this bus stop that they are at that bus stop so i'm going to dispatch two buses for that and and of course in smart cities you have smart homes where you've got security systems that are able to pick up things way before because it's able to see behavioral changes outside um uh, your house like there are people coming i've been mean, driving up and down your house at weird times of the day so it's able to alert you hey i've noticed this weird thing just just watch out for it and stuff like that and it's able to lock the gates uh and 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 stuff like that so of course they they are they are things there there are things that are going to change but it's it's interesting to see what what the future holds in terms of in terms of all these three revolutions because of course all of these things these three things are what are driving innovation today it's why companies like facebook are buying companies like oculus and and uh why google has a google x company that's just responsible for experimenting with things why uber is investing in building self-driving cars and why china has already started building smart cities and bill gates is putting in a lot of money into try build, trying to build a smart city and stuff like that because of course it's going to now cause a technological shift and who knows what's the next revolution that's going to be but but it's the beauty of technology technology always changes technology always improves and of course the downside to technology is when it's weaponized and that's a topic for another day but thank you for listening to the show and listening on the complex topic of revolutions i know i didn't speak about smartphones and stuff like that but that's for another show um you can catch us on 
Facebook, you can catch us on Instagram, on Twitter, on our website www.activefm.co.za. Um, you can catch us as well on IONO. Um, you can get our shows on some of our shows are on YouTube. You can get uh, some of our shows on on the iTunes podcast. And for those who are on Android who don't know how to download podcasts, there's an interesting app called Podmatic, and you can download a lot of iTunes podcasts. So you can find us there as well. Thank you very much. Jesus was The exceptional new act of worship album, As Above, So Below, is out. Get your very own copy on iTunes. available on Spotify, Deezer, Apple Music and so much more. Take me back to the time when I looked you in the eyes It was then I realized I could never go alone Cause even if I tried I